Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast. State of America. Hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans, David Hudson and Ian Rice. And now, let's get the show on the road. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the State of America podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ian Rice, and with me, as always, Mr. David Hudson. David, how are you, sir? Long time no see, Ian. I know. We put the band back together. We're getting this going again, and we got a lot of exciting episodes on the horizon. Of course, we have today's episode with Mr. Greg Loacano from the mother hips but then you know we have a few things in the can as they say ready to go coming for the rest of this month yeah i'm excited i think we have five things in the can that's right so uh next episode will be our album under review of tall that's right and we are joined by the professor ray permy good friend of ours and uh happy to have him on gives a lot of insight into that album and then following that our interview with smile and jay mcdowell formerly of br549 and then tell them what the next one is. That is the rollout, the debut of our once monthly series we've started, SOA Album Club. Isn't that right? Yeah. Explain to everybody what it is, Ian. You're like a teacher. Just I'm just in front of the I'm, class. I'm just having to hold your hand here. <laughs> I thought, you know, you might want to, you know, because it was your idea, essentially. So, yeah. So, actually, I, I basically stole this idea from a couple of podcasts. We are going to try to do it once a month, and it's going to be the same five people. It's Ian myself steve gleason steve sumner and <laughs> and our our buddy jason donches and so what it is a member of that group is going to pick an album and then we're going to break it down uh between the five of us and whoever picks the album is in charge of hosting the episode and uh giving us like all the the history behind the album and then we're going to go track by track and so our first album is going to be oasis's dig out your soul so if you're not familiar with that go listen to it and that way you can kind of keep up and play along as the kids say yeah and even if it's you know we announce an album that you're not necessarily familiar with or don't think you'll like just give it a try anyway just so you can keep up with what's going on it's it was really cool the recording of it and uh, actually the first album was it was technically my pick but i mean it was on your list Uh, i think four out of five people Mm -hmm. were you know gung-ho about it you'll see who the fifth dissenter inevitably turns out to be but uh and then the the album following that are we announcing that now we're gonna wait for the episode yeah go ahead the second album just so everybody can keep up uh was chose by jason donches and that was blackberry smokes the whippoorwill so we got two two solid albums for the first two installments and we hope everybody will join us and enjoy and i'm going third and so i'm going to throw three albums out and people respond which one they want us to do okay Mm-hmm. How's that sound, Ian? That sounds good. Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here, Alice in Chains, Dirt, or My Morning Jacket's Z. All very nice picks. Alice in Chains, Dirt, we both uh, picked up while we were on our trip to the Delta on vinyl, the recent reissue. Yeah, who goes to the Delta and comes back with a grunge album, Ian? Oh, well, you know, we did purchase blues records as well. Yeah, so everybody that we bought stuff for uh, has gotten it by now. Uh, we sent a bunch of stuff out. Really, really glad that we were able to do that. Thanks to our patrons. As always, we appreciate them. And Ian, you just sent some stuff out as well, didn't you? 
I did, and it seems to be arriving. That was the the last batch of things, except for a couple of strays. I actually have one thing for our good buddy Pedro that's on his way from our Delta trip. Uh, just a little delayed in sending that out. And then uh, the Circles Around the Sun vinyl is going to our lucky patron over in Ireland, Mr. Jerry Desmond. So I hope he enjoys that. And we've also just been gifted by Mr. Grant Barrick, a copy of the Shake Your Moneymaker 30th anniversary box set. So we'll be giving that away shortly. Hope there's some takers on that. I know I feel like some folks are kind of burned out on the Shake Your Moneymaker thing at this point. It's a free box set. There'll be takers. No, no, I'm not saying that. I mean, just as a in general, do you feel like the uh, the excitement for for that kind of thing? That's that's like time to move on. Or I think everybody's waiting on that Southern Harmony box set. Yeah, if I mean, if if that turns out to be what I think and hope it's going to be, we'll have something real nice there. Yeah, we'll have to buy a bunch of those to give away. Speaking of giving stuff away, uh, on a later episode, Ian and I are going to have our interview with Bill Lester, who kind of runs the Dockery Farm Plantation, which we'll talk a lot about that once we get to that episode. Yeah. But Ian and I have decided that next year, around the first week of October, we're going to give away a trip to go visit the Delta with either me or both of us for free on Patreon. If you, uh, you can get yourself here, everything's paid for from there on out. It's going to have to be both of us because somebody has to, you know, you get a little handsy, as they say, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to you know somebody has to mediate yeah and i think this one we're going to start off in memphis instead of new orleans yeah we were kind of discussing that on the phone the other day and you were kind of revising the itinerary a bit you know just based on the way our experience went i mean our whole trip was great but you know we kind of would think we would tailor a few things to be a little more blues oriented because we spent some time in oxford and there wasn't a whole lot of stuff there but that was you know your alma mater Ole Miss and we were hanging around there and that was just a bit of fun and met up with Brett and all that yeah and I think uh we'll add uh there's an old juke joint called Po Monkeys I think we'll add that I think we'll add the BB King Museum um might drive over to Rosedale so uh, obviously that mentioned in Crossroads and also traveling Riverside Blues and um I don't know, maybe do something with the Mississippi River and uh we'll make a trip out of it like I said if you can get yourself here We'll pay for all your lodging, your meals. Uh, it'll be a good time. We'll even buy you a record. How's that sound? Well, and it needs to be that first week of October because the cotton will be in full bloom the way it was when you were there. Now, if you're not from the American South or you've never been to the American South and seen a field of cotton, it's it's much more exciting than uh, perhaps you might think. It really was a sight to see. And it was cool. It was the first thing that we saw like when we descended down that road into the Delta. And then Ian got a picture with a big old bale of cotton. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you uh, want to join Patreon, uh, we're going to randomly pick a member. We're going to give away a painting from Michael Lewis for Christmas to one of our patrons. He has done custom paintings for both me and Ian, Mm. uh, Black Crows related. They are just absolutely beautiful. We're going to give away one of those for Christmas. So we won't push Patreon on you anymore, but uh, there's some cool stuff that we do. And we get, trust me, if you join it, you're going to get your, you're going to get a, your money's worth pretty quick. Cause we give away a ton of stuff. Yeah. We make sure. I mean, there's a bonus episodes and extra content. And so if you enjoy the show here, you know, I'm reasonably certain you'd enjoy the extra stuff. And uh, for the fee that it is the, you know, the 10 bucks a month, we feel we're, uh, we're giving you what you, de- what you deserve. Uh, speaking of those, Michael Lewis, paintings i think we should actually put up uh pictures of each of ours just so people can get an idea of what we're talking about yeah yeah we'll do that yeah so we'll post those to all our social media platforms shortly after this episode but speaking of this episode 
How great was this interview, huh? It was a lot of fun. Uh, Greg, my gosh, he was super personable and uh, very likable. He had a good time. He, we have a special project that he's going to come on and talk about in the future. He was a great guest, a fun conversation. He also just recently sent us, and we're going to play it just before we get to the interview, the new single by the Mother Hips. Sounds pretty good. It does, man. And those harmonies on there are so good. They are such a consistent band. They are. He was just great. We talked about his solo album, which is is really cool. Does a really cool cover on his solo album that uh, we'll talk about on the interview, but could not have been a nicer person. It was just really easy to talk to. I think he had a real good time. Kind of want to thank Dean Delray for helping us get this one. Dean gave us a little bit of a vote of confidence, I think. So uh, he did. He did. And we do appreciate Dean doing that. And Dean was a great guest. And Dean is very big on the Mother Hips. He's a huge Mother Hips fan. And uh, go to deandelray.com, find out where Dean's going to be. And he apparently has a really awesome Patreon. Like he'll give you free tickets to a show uh, that he's playing at. And man, I wanted to go see that Marcus King show in New Orleans, but I just couldn't make it. But uh, anyway, go follow Dean. He's a good guy. And then Mother Hips, uh, motherhips.com. They're on Twitter at Mother Hips. You can follow Greg, and uh, he's pretty active on Twitter as well. And he has a website, greglocano.com. You can find information about his solo album and, and the dates that he has. But yeah, the the new lead single from that album, When We Disappear, stellar, man. I have to add it to my 2022 playlist. Oh, it's absolutely great. And if you want to check out uh, Greg's solo album, it's called Giving It All Away. Now, of course, it's on Spotify, but I do encourage people to visit Greg's website, pick up a copy. He's got CD, he's got vinyl. And then actually the album just prior to that, too, called Mystic Traces is really worth a listen. So uh, you should check those two out, definitely. And it was a real pleasure to have Greg on. So what do you say we we play that new Mother Hip single, David? Then we flip it over to our interview with Greg. Hey! 
So, Greg, thank you for joining us today on the program. It's a real pleasure to have you. Thanks. Good to be here. First and foremost, I wanted to address your new solo album, Giving It All Away, that came out uh, in August of 2022. It's a fantastic yes. record. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Thank you so much. Um, yeah, it came out on August 12th. And um, boy, it, interestingly enough, I just got an alert on one of the social medias, Instagram or or uh, Facebook or something that showed a, a story that I had posted exactly a year ago um, when we it was the first day of the tracking session. So this is uh, the album started on September 18th in 2021 at a, a recording studio in, uh, called Space Camp in um, Occidental, California, kind of north of uh, where I am in Marin County. And yeah, had, it was just a wonderful recording session uh with excellent musicians the studio is run by um, dave schools from widespread panic and his partner jason reed and uh hannah radley and um, they just i think that was technically the first album tracking from that studio it's the first album to be tracked there The the schools live there now yeah, he lives close there. Maybe technically it's Sebastopol, but it's very close to Occidental. Yeah. Close. So the, the album is definitely different than a Mother Hips album. When you when you record a solo album like that, are you intentionally trying not to sound that way or do you just go with whatever inspires you? Pretty much I'm going with what whatever inspires me. And I sort of discern if if it feels like a hip song or not. Um, there's a couple of ways and Tim and I've joked about it, but it's kind of true. It's like, well, we might decide before we even bring it to the band that it's a solo song just because it's for whatever reason. Um, but there's also the ones we bring to the band and they don't really get any response. So those, those <laughs> would be the ones that make it on the solo record. But um, this, this record was sort of, um, you know, in 20. 21 i had released a single that's on the album but just hadn't even had that the concept of the album yet it's the i think it's the fourth track or fifth track it's called what can i say Mm. and so that was released on blue rose as a single and scott hirsch who ended up producing this record that just came out and my previous record mystic traces he mixed that song he didn't record it but i sent him the files and he mixed what can i say and he really loved it and suggested that I might um, that we might do a whole record together in where, you know, on that song, I'm singing mostly in falsetto. It's a little bit of a quieter, lighter singing style, which I, I do a lot in harmony singing with the hips. And, and Tim and I have done that on lead vocals as well. But this was a, a, a little different approach that I sort of came across for myself. And Scott was very encouraging. He's like, let's do a whole record that kind of feels like this and not every moment is sung in in falsetto voice but was kind of inspired by that so um you know we i think we have that idea he suggested that sometime in the spring and we were able to i talked to dave schools he was just opening up that studio and all kind of fell in into place that we were able to um, track there of course i had to go and write a bunch of new songs and pulled some older songs of mine and a couple of covers so had some some uh, mind, mind, some stuff that had had been buried from before. Well, you just answered my next question. I was going to ask you if any of this was a byproduct of the quarantine, but 
it sounds like this was a fresh batch. Um, well, it was though, because that what can I say? It was a song I wrote in in uh, lockdown. It was probably the first song that um, I I completed. You know, staying at home and being locked in and not being able to you know watching all the tour dates fall off the calendar and and being in that really uncertain place. It was it was hard for me to. Um, Right, people people were coming, you know, family members or friends that are not musicians. Oh, this is going to be such a creative time for you, and you know, to, and that wasn't really happening. Actually, what happened in the first the first chunk of it was I sort of like so many musicians did. I think I sort of worked on my home studio, built that out a little bit, and started recording. Started doing either background vocals or guitar parts for other people. I produced a couple of records. Um, it wasn't it wasn't until a few months in that I started actually feeling like I could write something again. And that was the first song that I completed. Was that your longest stretch of being at home since you started being a touring musician? I would think it is. I think so. Yeah, because even when I have kids and even when they were little, um, I didn't take that much time off you know it'd take a month off or something but that was a long time to not play any shows now i was doing the live streams you know pretty much once a week via facebook live so i stayed connected in that way that was really nice and um it was it was helpful not only to it had something to look forward to create a show and take requests from people and and of course, make some money doing that too, which was very helpful. But yeah, from not being on the road, that, I think that was the longest stretch since I was 19 or 20 years old. Do you think ultimately the lockdown and people starting to record at home and passing tracks back and forth is going to hurt the studio business? Well, I think that's been happening for a long time anyway, with you know the, the overtake of digital recording you know you being able to have a, a a a functional recording studio at your house has been something that's been at everybody's capability or you know desire if they so desired uh for years been able to do that um i think this was just another step you know to motivate some of us that had a little bit of that going on, but realized, okay, we got to get a step up my game. I don't know. I don't know if it's doing anything. It, it just sort of went in the same direction as it's been going where recording studios, large recording studios are certainly having a harder time. Although for example, the giving it all away, we tracked with a four or five piece band live the whole time I certainly would not have been able to do that here or at any of the um, my friends who have sort of overdub studios that's a very different thing just depending on what your recording needs are if you're building something up from you know one track at a time great you do it at your house if you have that ability but if you want to if you want to play like a band you got to have a nice room to do it in you know there there are reasons to have recording studios and I, I hope that there they, they, they continue to be reasons i must note that on giving it all away there's a very interesting cover and i'm, I'm curious how it came to be as a cover of genesis that's all how did you come to cover that too and it almost it would seem like it's very uncharacteristic on the album but yet it works perfectly 
Yeah, that was a that's a you know fun little story. So the 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 label uh, and co- music collective that uh, that Mother Hips and myself and Tim Bloom have been working with for five years now. It's called Blue Rose, and uh, we're we've been very inspired via the uh, ability to jump into studios and record and they're always throwing out ideas so it's been a very productive uh, period of time for myself and for the mother hips we have a new record coming out um in a, in two months that we can talk about in a little bit we put one out last year we're working on another one you know the the, the flow of um music and recordings is is at a, a peak for the hips and myself and i think tim would agree for himself as well um and that that was really inspired by joining up with blue rose and joe paletto the the owner and the the guy who runs and created blue rose he's always good at throwing out ideas and i told him that i was making an album that was going to lean a little more towards sort of some old school soul and r&b sounds and so he was he's always good at finding covers and he's got a good ear for songs so we were passing songs back and forth we were looking at Gil Scott Heron and the impressions and some little classic stuff and then out of nowhere he sent that song the Genesis song and he's like I know this is not really the you know kind of where where we were digging around before but just I think you might be able to do your own version I don't know just have a hit on it so and I had that reaction it's the same kind of reaction you had like really with the 80s i love that it's amazing song but it was like it's a very 80s very specific you know genre period sound but something right away made me think i was probably listening to a lot of bill withers and something made me think of the like ain't no sunshine kind of groove with the hi-hat cooking along like that and and then i showed that i did a little home demo with the acoustic guitar really being the lead thing, which isn't necessarily uh, something you'd think about on a on a uh, soul track or rhythm and blues track, unless it's Bill Withers. <laughs> and and so yeah, it kind of came about like that. And then we even once the band got together, we played around with a bunch of feels and styles, and we find, sort of that's where we ended up with that the the way we played it in there, really relying on on the groove rather than anything that was really the main thing we sort of um, deconstructed it like the that main riff doesn't happen until the middle of the song and it happens over a different chord progression and we simplified some of the the chords um on it just to make it really driving and being able to kind of get into a um, hypnotic state really fun one to do and actually it shines a a light on you know, Phil Collins and, and the other members of Genesis, their songwriting, because mm. a guy like Phil Collins, unfortunately, because of the time period he came out and a lot of his solo material has gotten a big open-handed slap from a lot of his peers. But really, a lot of that material is, uh, and once you break it down, and, and, and that's what you did so successfully, you see what what a great song it is just in terms of songwriting. Oh, man. I mean, hit Genesis, and I mean, even before... When Peter Gabriel was in it, it was cool. But I mean, Phil Collins, his singing, his songwriting, his approach, is, I, I've always loved it. I remember those songs when that song came out as a video. It was such a weird video, too. They're like hobos sitting around like a, <laughs> a you know, trash can fire. And like, yeah. like, I don't, it's so weird. But, um, you know, listening to all those, you know, 
the 80s style Genesis music and his his songs and all the stuff he's done for movies and Disney movies. And stuff. Yeah. You, you know, say what you will, but they're, they're fantastic songs, you know, and I never can keep track. What's a Genesis song or what's a Phil Collins song? <laughs> yeah, because you know, they're just, you know, I'm I'm 46. So I was in the last part of the 80s and the 90s. You know, he was on the radio everywhere. But you talk about him getting people giving him a hard time. One of my favorite quotes ever is from Noel Gallagher of Oasis. He goes, record sales do not equal talent. Look at Phil Collins. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty funny comment because, yeah. you know, he was the drummer in Genesis, you know, which is one of the elite prog rock bands. And he plays every instrument and writes some of the biggest hits in the world. So it's pretty, pretty funny comment. Yeah, well, it was say. from a, it was from a Gallagher brother, so you know. yeah. Oh yeah, no, they 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 know how to give give good press. Yeah. <laughs> that might be their mo- biggest talent. No. Well, we um we have purchased some copies of your album on vinyl that we're going to give away uh, when this episode oh, wow. comes out. So we'll Great. give them away maybe on Twitter and some of our, our Patreon members. You you mentioned that you mentioned there's a new Mother Hips album coming out. Like you said, you guys just released one. Maybe the same question, was this a result of you guys writing a lot during the quarantine and you have two albums worth of material? Not so much. It was that um, maybe the part was that we had more time. So last year we um, put out Glowing Lantern right around this time. I think it was November, December of 2021. We had recorded it in February of 2021. And that was one of the first uh, excursions that we had done, you know, together outside of the house in a, in a year. So I think, yeah, the opportunity that we had time, we were able to go into that studio for six days, which we don't get that kind of time, time between touring and our other schedules. So I think that part of it did, but we booked the time and then, then we wrote the songs. <laughs> so we're like, okay, we got to do it. And so the same thing kind of happened. We're like, well, that, that worked last time. We don't have a, uh, a huge back, batch of songs. Tim, Tim and I are always taking our, our voice memos on iPhones and passing stuff around. Here's a little riff here. Here's a little riff there. But what really came of it is that because we're sort of booking the times before we have the album, then Tim and I would really, we've been collaborating. And the fact that we've been spending a lot, of, a lot more time together than we do when we're on the road a lot, because we'll see each other on the road. But when we go home, we kind of go our separate ways and we'll just talk about what, what the next shows are, any business stuff around the band that we have to do. Um, but you know, we were, we spent time doing live streams together. We were hiking together. We're talking on the phone uh, every morning, which is something we never, I don't know if we'd ever had like a, a non sort of necessary conversation where it's just like get on the phone and talk to each other. I mean, even since we were kids, we never did that, you know? So um I think it, it is a byproduct of parts of the, it wasn't like, oh, the, 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 the lockdown, we, we wrote so much because we were so uh, affected by, you know, what was happening. It was more like, oh, here's this opportunity. And then we sort of set it up so that we, we, we made the cut, cut the workout uh, for us, you know, set the work up for us. And, and in that, um, and being able to spend that kind of time together and be connecting sort of on a different level, not just on the stage all the time. I think that helped us collaborate 
more. And in this record, um, we, we'll be, I think we'll be making an announcement pretty soon, but the record's called When We Disappear. And we recorded it in Santa Fe last November. Uh, we went out to a studio called The Kitchen Sink and recorded it um, with our friend John O'Manson. This record is even more of a collaboration. So, yeah, kind of answers your question in a long-winded <laughs> way. Well, we, uh, we will give away a few copies of that, too, when it comes out. So Okay, uh, great. Look at, looking forward to that. Got to ask you, obviously, this is a Black Crows podcast, and you guys are one of a handful of bands, I think, that uh, people just associate with the band. Uh, the Jayhawks. Uh, the Mother Hips, BR549, Government Mule to some extent. And I know uh, you guys were on Ruben's label with them, but how did when did you guys first cross paths with the Rob with the whole band, honestly? Yeah, that was a long, long time ago when we were still living in Chico and touring. Um we had we were not signed to a label yet. I would say it was 1992, maybe. I think Back to the Grotto was out. Our first record was out. And we had opened, We do you remember, do you recall a band called, um, called Jellyfish? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So Andy Sturmer and Roger Manning had, we'd played a, a show in San Francisco, maybe at the Paradise Lounge. It was on a Monday night. We were playing in the small room. We were passing through San Francisco. We were up in Chico going down to San Luis Obispo or something. And we got a show there and those guys happened to be there i don't know why and they they loved the mother hips and so we became friends with them and they were they were creating spilt milk at the time you know and which was the freaking masterpiece and they had us open a couple shows for them so we kind of became uh, friends with them they were supporting us and help helping us out a little bit i think we'd we had around that time too, we started getting a little bit of a buzz with, you know, the major record labels back then. And uh, we had come back home from a tour and we ch were checking our answering machine, so, <laughs> you know, for the, for the folks out there that don't know what an answering machine is, you'd come home and you check your messages on this, on this small tape and there'd be messages from uh, your mom or your uh, accountant or your, the, the PG&E, uh, whoever it was. <laughs> And there was a message from Andy Sturmer. He said, hey, I've been doing some work in L.A. and you got to call this number and then call me back. And he didn't tell us anything else. So we called this number and we're listening in and we get a voicemail or, you know, from an answering machine. Hey, this is Chris. I'm not home. Leave a message at the tone. And he had one of our songs on it and we could tell we knew i think we knew andy was working with chris you could hear the voice it was just like this like, is that chris robinson we call him back it's like i gave chris robinson your album he freaking loves it he put precious opal on his answering machine and blah 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 so that's how chris found out about us through andy Sturmer. and then andy invited us down to one of the studios they were where I can't remember what studio it was that they were starting to make Amorica. But Conway? Kind of. I, I think so. Yeah. And um, thank you. And so we went down there and because Andy was helping arrange background vocals and doing some some assistance on that record. So we went down there and hung out with Chris mainly. We met some of the other band members. And then he was the one who um, 
we suggested we we be on American recordings and and uh, so that's yeah that was kind of how that all started. I have been introduced to so much music because of him. He got me on my morning jacket really early, like their second album. He was talking about it's one of the, he's like this band is so original sounding. Uh, same thing with the drive by truckers got me, you know, in, into them. And we talk about on here a lot about just what a music in a good way, music nerdy is. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he knows these ex- <laughs> just such obscure, you know, artists and everything. And we were talking with Susan Tedeschi and she was just saying, you know, he's just an encyclopedia of music. Yeah. And that to sure. me is one of the great things about the Crows. Like, you know, I've said this on here at podcast a million times. We're big Little Feet fans because they covered Willen. And we're mm-hmm. like, oh, who's that band? Um, yeah. You know, and and that's one of the things I've all, always appreciate about him is I, I feel like he genuinely loves music and whatever sounds good to him. He he genuinely likes and, and pushes for it. So he gets you guys on American and then that's when y'all put out a uh, part-timer goes full. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. Yeah. And how many shows did y'all actually do with them? We did the horde tour with them. Those were the only, I don't think we did any other shows just like with the two bands. Um, we did the horde tour um, in 95 and there was probably 10 shows and uh, Mark would come in. I think he sat in on, we were playing the side stage, you know, with Wilco. Wilco was headlining the side stage. We'd play right, right before Wilco, you know, and Mark, Mark would come watch the shows and, and, uh, uh, and sit in with us once in a while. So I think that that was it. You know, I don't think we did any other touring with them. The other projects he did with Chris Robinson was the green leaf rustlers. And it's probably one of my favorite things that Chris has ever done. Uh, I was just wondering how that whole thing came together. Yeah, that's man. That's such a fun band. That came together because Chris, um, when when Terrapin Crossroads was up and running, um, and Chris had moved to Marin County, and I hadn't seen Chris in a very long time. He actually came to a hip show with when Jackie Green was playing with the Crows, and I think this must have been 2013 or yeah. 14, yeah. Mm-hmm. something like that. And um, and Jackie's a good friend of ours, and he. Jackie brought Chris and Steve and Adam down to our show. And Jackie sat in with us and we hadn't, I hadn't seen Chris since the horde tour or, you know, it'd been a really long time since I'd seen him. And he told me that he was moving to Marin and, and that, um, you know, some mutual friends had been, I'd been doing some solo shows and we had, we were, he was just, it was very nice to see him and, and can reconnect. And then, uh, Flash forward a few years, I, I find out he moves to to Marin. We see each other down at um, Terrapin maybe one night. I think it was for Phil Phil's birthday and Chris saying happy birthday to Phil or something. Some there's always some weird, great stuff like that happening. And um, Chris put together a night of like hoot nannies, like three shows. Um, one was with I think the Howlin' Rain guys with Ethan. And then one was with Barry and Pete and they did uh, country rock stuff, which was kind of led into the Greenleaf Rustlers. But I did one that was um, with Dave Schools on bass, Adam on keys, Jay Lane on drums, and then Chris and myself. And it was more, we did some Little Feet, we did some Dr. John and just had a great time playing together. And that way he called me for that. I was 
happy to hear that. And then some time went by. And at the end of that year, that was 2017, he said, Barry and I are putting together a psychedelic country band. Do you want to be involved? He's like, that was, it's a little bit of what we had started to do in there, the, the show that he did with Barry and Pete. And I said, absolutely. And that's kind of how that, that happened. We went, um, you know, he big booked like a six, six show run right out of the gate in the top of 2018. And then we just started doing it as whenever, whenever people had time in between all their shows, you know, CRB was playing and, and those guys play with David Nelson and moon Alice. And um, was it, was it always intended to be released on, on as an album or that, that uh, something that happened much later? uh, Well, I think so. Once, once we all kind of realized like, this is a good band, like, and it was, you know, people were really enjoying it. We were having a lot of fun. Chris started asking Betty to come down and um, record. So she was at almost every show we did, especially just ones around here, uh, Sweetwater and Great American Music Hall over in Oakland. So I think that it just kind of can't, he, you know, he had, he had his eye on maybe putting out a live record if possible. And then we actually didn't even, that was at the beginning of the pandemic, or I think, or right at the beginning of 2020, mm. didn't even know that a record was coming out. <laughs> In fact, I don't even know if I have a copy of it yet. <laughs> I might now. Yeah, I think I do. But there's no information on it or anything. It doesn't say anything about uh, who played on it or anything. Do you think that's something when he has downtime that may happen again? I certainly hope so. You know, we, we, we stay in light contact, you know, the, the communication, like you were saying, his encyclopedic knowledge of music. And we're always kind of trying to, I, I'll never win this game, but try to one up each other on obscure stuff. So I might send him a YouTube <laughs> link to some weird thing I've never heard. He'll be like, oh yeah, their third record is probably better than, you know, I thought I got him. I think I got him (laughs) one time where he, he didn't know something and it was, you know, but uh, yeah, that that's, that's about the extent of it these days, you know, because he's busy. So I'll send him something, I'll find something and he'll, he'll school me on it. Well, I saw a couple of the shows that you did with the CRB there toward the end of the, their run and you were obviously filling in for Neil. Two questions. Yeah. First, how familiar were you with the material? And then how long did you have to like figure it out? Because when I went to see you, I remember like, I'm going to watch him because like Neil's got some big shoes to fill. And then so much of this stuff is just flying by the seat. At least to me, it seems like in live, you're flying by the seat of your pants a little bit jamming. How's he going to be able to work his way into this? I thought you did a really good job with it. Um, but I was just curious, like how much of a heads up did you have? And then, you know, how nervous were you like those first couple of shows? Where did you, well, first, what shows did you catch for a show? I saw you in Jackson, Mississippi and Oxford, Mississippi. Oxford was at that little theater. The Lyric. Yeah. And then where was Jackson? It's a place called Dueling Hall. It's an old school building. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I remember that. Yeah. So that was, that was a few dates in. Mm-hmm. maybe four or five. I think there was 12 altogether. And I was starting to feel a little more comfortable. I got a call maybe two weeks before, and I was pretty much not familiar with their music at all. I'd watched them 
they were on a High Sierra Music Festival, one that the Hips played and my solo band played. And I watched them from backstage and it sounded terrific. And I think maybe I heard one or two other songs, but I really didn't know any of their material by like if if you'd put it on, I'd, I I would have guessed because Chris Chris's voice is so unique. Um, but no, I I was I was pretty. It was I was gonna say it was pretty terrifying, but for some reason it wasn't. It was it was a lot, and it, I was nervous for sure. And I wanted to do right because I know that the people that are listening to that music love that music, you know, religiously as they should because it's fantastic and neil being just such a huge part of those songs so um that part was intimidating but the fact that chris and the rest of the guys had faith in me that i could do it um i had to just i just kept reminding myself they they called me because they they wanted me right. and one of the first conversations we had was like you're not, you're, you know, you're not going to fill Neil's shoes, right? You're going to, we want you to do you. And it was like, yeah, there's, there's some riffs that in motifs that I'll learn for sure. It was clear, like, well, these, these particular riffs or these motifs or these lead-ins or these come outs uh, need to be there. So I will learn those note for note and try to do my best, you know, version of what Neil wrote for those parts. Otherwise. I just played me playing in the CRB as they wanted me to. And once I, once that kind of kicked in and, and the, I got the songs under my fingers and feet a little more. Um, I, I just had a blast doing it. It was an intense time. You know, there was, there was a lot of um, turmoil um, in, in the band, but um, it something, I think I actually maybe helped bring, Cut, cut a little bit of the tension, had someone new there, out there, and um, and I, um, it was a real honor. Yeah. Well, I would think to some degree you're coming into that and not being, quote unquote, that familiar with their material. It may have been exciting for them to, you put some ideas in their head with your playing. Oh, we could go this way with this or go this way. Because I, I like I said, I was like, man, this guy's getting thrown into the frying pan and <laughs> You know, you know that that band has like yeah. a cult following, and a lot yeah. of it is a lot of it was because of Neil. And yeah, uh, for and, sure. You know, I I never saw the CRB with him. I saw him with Ryan Adams. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw the last show he ever played with Ryan Adams. One of the most phenomenal concerts I've ever seen in my life. Wow! Did you actually did you know him? Yeah, yeah, not not super well, but we were. You know, he we we met each other. He might have. First time I met him might have been at the Hypnic, which is a festival that the Mother Hips put on every year in Big Sur. And he did a solo set there maybe in 2008, I want to say, sometime around there. And it was incredible. So good. And then I would see him at, at Terrapin when he started coming down there. And we we became friendly. We Again, same kind of thing. He he was an encyclopedia of, of music and albums, and we'd share stuff with each other. Um, when I recorded my the album before this one, Mystic Traces, I recorded it in Ojai, and Neil and I had been talking a little bit um, before that, and I asked him if he wanted to come up and play on it. So he played 
guitar on a couple of tracks on the opening tracks he's it's called shoot the messenger he's playing slide guitar on that and then he's singing harmony on a song called chamberlain's trunk and another one called seeing you good and he's playing guitar on chamberlain's trunk as well so i got the uh the honor and privilege to have him come up to the studio and um, lay down some tracks for that now, I'm not a musician at all. And like I tell people, I can play G, C, and D and on a good day, maybe an E. Uh, <laughs> but it's a lot. But he <laughs> take um, you a long way. <laughs> he, had a, he had a way of it was almost like whatever band he was in, they laid the foundation and then he weaved these tapestries in and out that mm. were just absolutely beautiful. You know, he never shredded, you know, never mm-hmm. did anything like that, never tried to take the spotlight with his playing, but it just absolutely made it work in every environment. I ever heard him play in, whether it was Beachwood Sparks, you know, Ryan, he took that Ron Adams and the Cardinals band to a whole other level. And then obviously with the CRB, I just, I feel like he's just, I mean, I feel like the people that like him appreciate him, but as far as like outside of our little world, he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. I, I would agree with you on all of that. Um, one of the things that that I found so remarkable in sort of studying the CRB music or the intricacy and sensitivity of his parts when I was listening to the recorded versions. And and then I'd go and listen to live versions, you know, and um, they were all, he thought about everything really closely, you know? And so that was really fun from that perspective to sort of do a, a, a deep dive a study into his playing for that music. And again, taking the things that I thought were important and, 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 and trying not to mimic him. Um, but the other thing, you know, having him come into the studio and sort of giving him a sense of here's this song, like on Chamberlain's trunks, a perfect example, the guitar playing that he does on that elevates the song. Um, when the electric guitar comes in, it, it, it elevates the song you feel the energy lift up and what he's doing isn't hot shot by any means. It's just the perfect flavor, you know, but it's not just in the right place and the right notes. But like I said, it lifts the moment. Like he, it, you know, it comes in at that time he waited. He, he was like, I'm going to, I'm not going to come in until the second half of the second verse. And it was like, bingo you know and that's it seems like and i know tim has done some recording with him and any any other recordings i hear that he's on vocally or um he's a great piano player apparently as well um but any of that his guitar parts or vocal parts it's like it's always the right thing well being that the mother hips have a new record coming out are you guys uh planning a, a tour to go along with it we will be we have shows coming up, um, a couple festivals. We're playing this festival called Hangtown. We go down to Southern California for a few shows, and then we finish out the year, like always, at the Great American Music Hall for our uh, annual holiday shows, uh, casually known as uh, Hipsmiths. We've been doing that for 20, 27 years or something, maybe maybe longer now. I don't know. But um, we do three, three nights there. We do two, well, two nights and a matinee, acoustic matinee on Sunday. And so that's kind of, you know, and then we'll keep it flowing through through the, the new year. But we're I don't think we're going to go out on some big record tour. We're just going to keep kind of playing the shows that we're playing and whatever shows come first. Once the record's out, 
um, will be the record release shows. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to book the shows. We're, we're, you know, the shows are already booked and those will, those will get deemed the record release shows rather than the other way around. Well, Greg, at the end of all of our conversations, we like to do five rapid fire questions with our guests. Okay. Uh, just the first thing that pops in your mind, I'll go first. If you could be in any other band other than the Mother Hills, what would it be? I have to just say whatever comes to my mind. I, Flaming Lips came into my mind first. <laughs> okay. I don't know if that's accurate, but you're telling me that that's, I, I just flashed. So, wow. Yeah. That's a great choice. Uh, what was your favorite other band to tour with? I mean, when we did a run of shows, this is a long time ago, when we did a run of shows and had just met Wilco for the first time and they took us down south, we had a really good time. It would be very different now, um, but they were playing places that were uh, not huge and we had a good camaraderie going. There's been a lot of sh- uh, bands that we play with on on the West Coast that have bands that have opened for us, like Jackpot, who aren't really a band anymore. And and uh convoy these bands that used to open for us all the time those are really good times um i can't really think of anybody out of the out of the gate right now when you go on tour what city has the best food we always have good meals up in portland of course going to texas and going to have some barbecue that's always (laughs) that's always fun what was your favorite crb song to play on star and stone Oh, it's such a good song. Yeah. Neil Neil just does works wonders in that solo. <laughs> oh my god. If you could have written any song in the world, what would you like to have written? Ooh. Dang. Um, Suzanne by Leonard Cohen. Okay. Well, Greg, first of all, thank you for coming on. Uh, we've actually been wanting to have you on for a while and we we're able finally to make it work. Oh, it's my pleasure. I appreciate it. I'm glad you reached out and uh, man, it's just been a, it's been a pleasure. We're, we're all huge uh, Black Crows fans over the years. And, and um, it's been, it's been a a pleasure to watch them do their thing, but also to be, be a little bit of a part of what, uh, what's happened over the years with them. So uh, I appreciate you reaching out to me. So we always let our guests pick a song for us to play out. It can be one of your songs, a hip song, anybody's song. You just let us know what it is. And that's how we'll go off the air. Okay. Um, well, I think you should play uh, something from my new record. Why not? Okay. Um, so why don't we do uh, and not cry? Oh, okay. So, so we can get a little bit of uh, the uh, electric sitar. It's one of my favorites from the record, man. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Our thanks to Greg again, and thank you all for listening, and we'll see you soon. Stay tall. Here we are at this emotional standoff. Our tongues are weight too thick to swing Let's pick it up, let's put it beside us, behind us Before we meet the hurt love brings Yeah.
everyone that was end not cry from greg loicano's latest album giving it all away be sure you go over to gregloicano.com to purchase your cd and vinyl copies of the album or you can head over to bandcamp.com to get a digital download and be sure to check out the new mother hips album coming out january 27th of 2023 that's going to be a great one too you can head over to motherhips.com to check that out and they are also on bandcamp.com when the time comes to get that album so since we mentioned it during the episode, let's carry on. We'll do one more track from Greg Loicano's album, Giving It All Away. This is the cover we talked about of Genesis, That's All. Just put me through it all the time I 
Why does it all 